0: Welcome to another edition of Stokes and Folks. I'm your host, Spencer Stokes. And today we're talking about Utah political uh, politics, early politics, early, early politics. And I have one of my good friends here, uh, Mr. Greg Girard, who, a little known fact, Greg Greg did all of my um, campaign material in the 1990 two, I believe, county commission race in Weber County. But Greg has a long political pedigree. Uh, Welcome, Greg.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Good to be here. I haven't seen Spencer since he was a boy. (laughs) And uh, how long has that been, Spencer? Uh, Since I've been a boy, a long time, a very long time. I think it was about four
0: years ago. Tell us the first political race you ever did.
1: The first political race I ever did professionally was um, Dixie Levitt, 1976. He lost in the Republican primary to a
0: Romney. Oh, really?
1: Yes, but I don't remember. What was that Romney's name?
0: Well, I mean...
1: Let's have our... our uh, um, a research assistant. Let's have... <laughs> Let's have Mister fec- uh fix that. Uh, look that up for us. Yeah. So
0: 19, 1976, Dixie Levitt, obviously the father father to Governor Mike Levitt, who went on to avenge uh, his father's name. He and, did. And run that race was run against Scott Matheson. However, I believe right in the in the general election um, would have been would have been it would have
1: been Scott. It was Vern Romney.
0: Vern Romney. Vern
1: Romney lost to him. And uh, you mean
0: Vern Romney Dixie lost to Vern Romney.
1: Dixie lost to Vern Romney. And had had this is interesting, had Dixie won, we may have never had the opportunity to have Utah's best governor ever, Mike Levitt elected, because he would have just been known as Dixie Levitt's kid. But uh Mike is the oldest of uh, six sons. Do I have that right? I think it, it's we're six. Going,
0: everything you say will be gospel here on the well, Stokes and folks. Well,
1: I just, I just printed a, I just finished a book, and I just noticed that I put a scripture in it, and I have the wrong scriptural citation, so it didn't. So it, don't it take
0: didn't, it didn't go through correlation. <laughs> so don't take everything uh, no, as gospel. So, that, no. so your first campaign, seventy six, give a little flavor of the other campaigns you've worked on over well, your time in politics.
1: Interestingly enough, I, I was at Gillum Advertising. At the time, I was working for a, a man by Nar- Marion D. Nelson. You'll know his son. His his uh, his son is also had his middle name is Marion Nelson. You know his first name? I do not. He has an ecclesiastical affiliation
0: here, local in the Salt Lake City area. Oh, would that be President Russell M. Nelson? Russell Ru-
1: Russell M. Nelson. I worked for Marion D. Nelson, his father, and the M in President. Russell M. Nelson's name is for Marion, his father.
0: Okay. And was he, that was an ad agency. It was an
1: ad, Salt Lake's oldest ad agency. Some it, uh, famous people came from there, uh, uh, in, in, including, let's see, the fellow that hired my dad at the Deseret News. Um, it'll come to me in a minute. We, we didn't prep for this show, as you can tell out there.
0: In, well, in, we in, had no idea you were going to go down to the genealogy of Russell M. Nelson, but now we know what the M stands for.
1: That's right, Marion. Yeah, but anyway, but so you
0: worked. You were hired. I was uh, hired I was, by him. I was
1: working at um, Gillum Advertising. I started there in 1973 as a young fellow, and um, in '76, uh, since I had a great interest in uh, political matters and still do, um, I was I was given the awesome responsibility to be the kind of executive and writer and stu- and uh, such things on uh, Dixie Levitt's uh, um, race.
0: Is that where you met Mike originally? Yes.
1: Mike was fresh home from his mission. He was the Northwest States mission and he was fresh home from there. And uh, uh, he showed promise way back then. You need to know something about Mike Levitt's genealogy. His middle name is okerland So, his his mother is is his name is uh, Ann Oakland Levitt, his father's Dixie Levitt, and Mike combines the best of two really incredible people. Anne had the 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 best. You know he's not skills. hiring. He's not hiring. For no, I, I consultant I, right no, now. I'm not. But I'm trying to get him to review my book, and <laughs> if I say something really nice about him. So well, I guess I better. Read that book. I gave his daughter Anne Marie a copy of my book, uh, which is called "The Invitation to the Shining City." Is that a? Uh, is that okay to plug a book on this show? Absolutely. With? Okay. Absolutely. It's available now on Amazon. Okay. Ebook and paperback. All right. But that's not the reason I came. <laughs>
0: You came because I asked you. You so came because I, I was so I will,
1: excited to get a call from my my little buddy
0: Spencer. I will, I will agree with you that that Mike Levitt did have a combination of two, you know, home run out of the park parents uh, and and it did it did inform who who he became. So did he help on the campaign freshly was, home from his mission? He was a
1: campaign manager and he, he cut his teeth on it. And in the process of that, he met a fellow by the name of Orrin Hatch. Okay. Orrin Hatch hired him in 82 to do uh, his, uh, no, no, that was, I'm sorry. Uh,
0: he did Jake Garn's campaign first, he, I yes, believe.
1: He, uh, Orrin hired him in 88 right? to do it. But I think, yeah, I think he was on, on, on Garn's campaign, but, uh, Mike's unique skills are uh, hard to come by these days. He has the, uh, the the financial and analytical mind of his father, and he has the incredible people skills of his mother. And I uh, just love the family, as you can tell. Uh, he has
0: uh, you you love them so much. His new calling is uh, well, president of the Tabernacle Choir. He's pres- I think he's president
1: could- of the Tabernacle Choir. They're going to call it the Levitt. Tabernacle Choir. Now, <laughs> did you know
0: that? <laughs> no, you but
1: heard it first on Stokes, folks.
0: But it sounds like you're going to audition for the choir based on your love of. Well, Mike no, Leavitt.
1: no. My my point is, uh, you come to appreciate someone like that when you go through a whole series of bad politicians, and you think he really was he really was unique. And I I sound like a um, obsequious, sick, sycoph- uh, brown nosing sycophant because. That's gotten me far in life.
0: Well he he um he was a visionary, there's no question about it. And and you know, you can say he was a great governor. He might have been even a greater um secretary of health and human services. There was a time during that, the the Bush years that that, that the best thing George W. Bush had going for him was Mike Levitt, a product, a homegrown product right here out of Utah yeah, absolutely. and out of Cedar City. Um, but it, yeah, and Mike, you know, Mike isn't, you know, Governor Levitt is also an interesting, um, he'd be, we should get him on the show because oh. he d- he's done, he did a, a grundle of campaigns before he ran for governor in 1992. You've just illustrated. He did. Well, that's right. He did He did Jake Garn's campaign. He did Orrin Hatch's campaign, but, uh, we were
1: supposed to have finished out. Uh, uh, so I did the 1984, uh, Norm Bangener, a race, with uh, my my partner, and someone I've connected here later in life lately. Uh, both Mark Hurst and I have books that we just finished. I'm going to plug Mark's, Mark's yeah, book. tell us Mark's book. Mark's as well. book is called Big Springs. Okay, where the river begins, and it's a uh, it's a fictionalized history. And no, that's what you call uh, that's what people. Uh, that's what these people write that are revising American history—the 1619 people. No, it's it's historical fiction about his fa- his grandfather, who started um, a sheep shearing sheep shearing uh, enterprise in uh, northern Idaho uh, about 100 years ago, and revolutionized uh, the the wool industry because in in, in years past you'd have to. Uh, herd your sheep down to the, down to the shearing station and, and they'd all get sheared and you have to take them back up into the meadow for the summer. In this case, Mark's grandfather uh, actually invented a
0: have you read the book?
1: I've read lots of it. I helped him I pushed him to, to, uh, uh, to uh, write
0: it. If you're friends and you're both writing a book, is there an obligation that you have to read the entire book of your friend's book? No, you
1: just have to know enough about it so you can talk about it on a podcast and make people think you've read it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and would you, I mean, you know, on a five-star scale rating, what would you give that book?
1: Well, I, uh, I haven't read it all the way through because
0: I have to prove it. Mark, if you're listening, he didn't proof the last three chapters. Well, that's because he Is kept it?
1: changing them. And I did the same thing in my book.
0: Did he read your book?
1: I don't think he read it, but he he, he criticized it, and yeah. so that's what I expect from Mark.
0: And so you you did you change anything that? You well, criticized? no. What
1: I did is I helped him paginate it the first time. Okay. So he got it ready so it could be in, uh, he could print it out, and then uh, uh, eventually he finished the pagination himself. And uh, is
0: pagination really a big deal? I mean, don't you just plug it into like word, word, no, and it's just like Spencer, just Spencer,
1: Spencer, uh, you don't plug it into right. word, you'll, you'll plug it into a desktop design uh, pro, uh, application like, like InDesign, or in my case, cork, I'm the uh, la- last and person you, in Utah to still use cork
0: and so you you actually know the end of the the sentence that ends on that page and you make sure there's continuity well you have yet. to
1: first of all you do Is that it. what it is? Is it, that what pagination is? Well, pagination is making sure the chapters start off well that it's typographically readable that it doesn't look like it was it's not set in Helvetica and that it looks it looks like a real book and he he has is a, a really nice book and we got a lot of help from Karen Christofferson, who also you ought to have on. She's done a lot of political work. She worked for
0: Bob Bennett um, in conjunction with Evan, Evan Tweed. With Evan Tweed. Also another would be another fascinating char- character. So so you and Mark Hurst started a, a business, and what was the first political race well, that you did? I forgot. We're the, not going to tell any stories no, in no, this no, podcast. No, we're just going to history gonna, here.
1: Uh, because the, 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 the stories ne- are The next ex- party is the episode, one that will get us into some legal episode trouble too. <laughs> That'll get us into some trouble. So I hope this is you've got some uh, some insurance. No, uh, <laughs> what I wanted to tell you is that in, in '76, I did uh, a, another political race, who I, which I also lost to uh, for a man by the name of Jack Carlson, who lost in a primary badly to Warren Hatch. And Orrin Hatch was this, you know, this Reagan crusader that we didn't know very much about. And he was the first one that took us out of rhino politics, which is uh, kind of defined Republican Party politics for many, many years, which is why the Democrats. For those that
0: don't know, rhino politics, uh, there may be a few Democrats listening. Um, that would well, be I hope your, not. They're Dino. They're dinos. Dinos We're rhinos. rhinos. Yeah, that's right. Republicans in name only. Well, that's uh, that's
1: what we call Democrats in Utah because they're a Utah Democrat, which means they act like a dino in Utah, and then they go to Washington and act like Nancy Pelosi.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, uh, those of you who may be listening and wondering about Greg Gerard's political affiliations, he's very conservative. And so... Uh, no,
1: I'm just smart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... Carlson. That was in seventy six. That's the year. Seventy six. That's the year uh, Orrin Hatch went to the United States Senate. That
1: was, and uh, Jack Carlson was had a lot of had a pedigree. He was um, uh, with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and uh, everyone thought, well, he's he's going to just. He's got all of this, this Washington gravitas. He's going to come in and do well.
0: So you you ran that campaign in 1976.
1: I ran it into the ground. <laughs> well, we, yeah, obviously no, no. because. I just did, all I did was, all I've done at any of these races is just paid media. I've never done what you've done, which is, um, I was, the campaign manager was always my client. I, I did paid media. I didn't do PR. Okay. So um, you
0: you'd do ad placement. You did. Uh, yeah. You do the. You but you do the the brochures and the flyers. Did you do any direct mail? Yeah,
1: well, and uh, we were we did mostly radio and television back then and some print, and um and that was seventy six. And then a nine. 19- so what kind
0: of a what kind of an ad do you do against Orrin Hatch on radio for Jack Carlson? Um, Obviously, Spen- a very bad Spencer,
1: one. Spencer. <laughs> it was. Forty four years ago, I don't remember. You were only like four years old then.
0: I was young. I wasn't four, but I was young.
1: You weren't. You were you toilet trained?
0: But I do remember September eleventh. We have people here in the office that were only a year old on September eleventh. Like that young yeah, fellow right like there, our Snerdly. our associate producer, um, Mr. Snurdly. Yeah, our associate producer Stephen Morris. Uh, our executive producer. I thought you said his name was Snurdly. Snurdly, yes. Snurdly Morris. But the the fact of the matter is, um, you, so you did 76, Carlson. Um, who else have you done?
1: Well, in 82 is when I came back to do the Orin Hatch race. And Mark Hurst had that had that piece of business. He didn't know much about media buying. He was a creative guy. And um, uh, if you remember Stan Parrish, right? Stan Parrish was uh, the campaign manager, and uh, Mark was uh, the the creative guy, and I I worked for Mark and helped him with what he did, and we did, and I did the media blo- uh, the
0: media buy for him. That was eighty eight. No, that was eighty-two. That was eighty-two. Excuse me, that's right. So, that was so, a, so in
1: eighty-two we did that. Here's, there's some interesting things to do. We don't want you don't want to talk about no details. stories. About that. No, no st- stories. Oh, i just wanted I, to get to overview.
0: Oh. So, what did you do then after eighty-two? What did you do?
1: Well, in eighty-four, by, I ran for the legislature in nineteen eighty, and thank goodness I lost. Okay, I didn't want to serve. I just wanted to win. Okay, and uh, <laughs> I know I lost a lot in of primary. people like that. Yeah,
0: um, uh, Republican primary. Uh
1: yes in Taylorsville. I
0: I was I Do you was Do you remember who beat you?
1: Uh he died. He was a guy that was in the
0: Well so we can talk freely about him.
1: Well, I don't know. Um when he was alive, I didn't like him that
0: much, but now that he's dead, now we can't talk freely about him because so I, I don't remember I don't remember his
1: name. But he was a, he ended up being a senator in Taylor's uh, Taylor'sville area. I was a I was a bishop at the time. So he
0: ran he ran for the house and then moved to the senate. Yeah, he did. Okay, you didn't know what his name was, and, but and I don't you remember you were a bishop at the time you were running for the legislature. I was a bishop, and he came over and he
1: says he looked at my car and he says, you know, uh, I had a a, a little orange of Datsun truck, and he says, you know. Uh, you probably, in your bishop, you see, you probably you don't make much money, you don't have much time. Why don't you just concede and let me run? And that made me angry enough that I,
0: I did all I could to beat him. And nowadays, you'd you'd spend some time doing community service because that's a crime. Uh, if it is you had, well if you'd gone and tried to entice somebody to get out of the race. Oh, and, yeah, well he yeah. didn't he didn't offer me any offer money. Anything he just well it sounded like he did he said he was going to you'd make more money if you got out we meant, i couldn't afford to do it is what he meant i think the bigger the bigger thing i've learned is you were an lds bishop which i know I so I, know, now I, i'm going to have to watch my language through the rest of the whole may, what year was interview. that again that was
1: 1980 but now 1980. let's go to 84 okay because in 84 was the was the big year that mark and i really uh knocked it over the fence where we did really really well um I think it was we had we had two congressional races. Okay, we had Jim Hansen. Yes, and he won. That obviously. was his. That
0: was his. That would have been his second term, wouldn't it, it have been? It
1: was probably. He, cause no. he, I
0: think he didn't. He run in in eighty two. Well, I, I, he was
1: elected in eighty. I think that's right in eighty. And then eighty two, he was reelected, and eighty four, we did his race, and we did. Um, Dave Monson's race, and he beat Francis Far left Farley by seven hundred votes, and okay. we thought and we told everybody we don't like to spend any more money than we have to, and so uh, we went, <laughs> did that race. And then, at the same time, I, I we started doing uh, Ed Alter's races, and that's a state treasurer. I had more fun with Ed's races
0: than anyone else's. It's a it is a uh, you know I don't think people fully understand the difficulty in running a statewide race for the auditor or the and treasurer. the treasurer. Yeah, the, yeah and, he was state treasurer. And in the olden days, I mean, it was kind of that way with the attorney general, but the attorney generals now have become much more prominent elected officials across the country. But treasurers and auditors, difficult to raise money, um, you know, and difficult to It's get especially your name more out.
1: difficult now because of restrictions that they've put on, on these people. Are we running out of time? No, we're good. To, we're still good. Keep, get, I want to know. Give you a long litany of races of yeah, people. So I ended up doing Jim Hansen's race. Uh, then 86, 88, 90, 92. He got mad at 94. I got mad at me in one of those years. He didn't run. And then I came back and, and did his race in 98 and 2000, which is, was his last race.
0: Right? Did you did you do the race when he was running against Kenley Brunsdale? Yes, I Democrat? believe I did. I believe I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the closest. That was the toughest Democrat challenger he ever had after beating Gunn McKay. Well, uh, there in was his a lot of race.
1: I had heard. Now you tell me. Uh, I uh, I think we were on our senior mission when when Jim died, but he was an incredible guy, and I remember he told me once. Should I save this for the? No, I'll just tell, tell you because I'm yeah. thinking about it. He says this is the most overrated job in America, <laughs> <laughs> working in Congress.
0: Well, yeah, you know, there's 435. Oh, I know, I know, and it and and you know, largely, largely today, it's controlled. I I jokingly tell people that you know the United States is run by 10 people, and one of them is not a member of Congress from Utah, uh, nor senators from the great state of Utah. But it's leadership. I mean the well, speaker of the house and the majority leader have a lot of influence on uh with races, but that's but hilarious. It's I think the, the best overrated.
1: time Jim Hansen ever had was in ninety four when thanks to uh, the 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 um representative from Georgia, the incomparable
0: I'm you, supposed to say something. Yes, you're supposed yeah. to
1: give me. This is a test, Spencer. Who was the? Who became the speaker of the uh, of the House of Representatives uh, in 1985? Newt, Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Newt's contract with America uh, hit home. People felt resonance it with took it. Took the majority. Took the majority, and and for the next few years, Jim Hansen was in a catbird seat, and um, I also then did uh, all of Rob Bishop's races. And you know that because we worked together on mm-hmm. that a little yep. bit. I did the paid uh I did the paid radio. He didn't really do any T V. No. And did um, the money. And he had what's a n- nice young fellow's name that does his direct Scott mail. Scott
0: Parker. Oh n- Peter Valcarci. Peter Val
1: Peter Valcarci, very talented guy, did his direct mail. And Scott Parker was his uh campaign manager. Yes. What people didn't know Scott Parker has quite he uh we're talking about genealogy here. Ezra Taft Benson was his grandfather. Right. And so we always kinda when we said anything political, we'd always kinda make sure that it passed the Parker test. <laughs> <laughs> but but Scott is an amazing guy. He's
0: he You know what he's doing now. Yes,
1: he is uh he is the um um
0: Recorder, recorder. That's of,
1: the, uh, at the Washington D.C. Yeah, Temple. Yeah, and he's going
0: to be a, have a big role. the 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 reopening, the rededication of the Washington D.C. Temple will be a big deal in Washington D.C. because <laughs> it's certain it's a crown jewel um, in in Washington D.C. It's a crown jewel for the church. There will be so many dignitaries that go through the Washington D.C. Temple. Quite frankly, it was a perfect spot for oh. a Scott Parker to be in for this. Uh, particular event. Now, that being said, now that I've said it, hopefully he won't go wrong. Well, hopefully the church won't call him up and say, we heard, we heard Spencer Stokes praise you on Stokes and folks. We need to remove you from that job. So hopefully that doesn't happen.
1: uh, So Scott, if you're hearing this, uh, just go in and and make sure all the copies that you hear have been uh, erased. But, um, during that time, I did a lot of other races, including my close personal friend Dan Eastman, who was state senator. Amazing, and, uh, and he was a, he was a very best friends with Mike Levitt. Yeah, they were very close. And let's see. So a lot of other races that I've done along. The, a lot of them were minor races. I did. So I did uh, Ed Alter's race the whole time he was he was in there, and then I picked up and did it for his his uh, his successor. And, um, but we went on an LDS mission to Germany in 2015, came back 2016, did my last political race, three weeks before, a-, a week after we returned for Rob Bishop. And now I, um, just complain about politics rather than do anything <laughs> about it.
0: Okay. In our next episode of Stokes and Folks, we're going to hear some, uh, stories about politics from Mr. Greg Girard, who is the archive of all Utah uh political stories and Republican political stories. Republican political stories. But let's let's give one more plug before we go off off air on this you know first in a two part series for the book. What was it again called? It's the invitation
1: to the shining city and, and it, it is
0: it is somewhat political, right?
1: No, well, no. It's, it crosses the line between politics and religion. I have my own podcast, which is called latterdayradio.com. I, we had a show on KLO on, uh, uh, on, with, with Martin Tanner in, in, two, in 2018, and I repurposed a lot of that content, put, made them into podcasts. But we will occasionally cross the line as <laughs> appropriate, to talk about the importance that, that people of faith take an interest in in their elected officials and make sure that the principles that they believe in are uh, upheld. In my particular book, it asks the question, if you found a city where the people have one heart, one mind, and dwell in righteousness, there's no poor among them, what would you pay to gain access to such a place? Interesting. And the one of the chief well, we're
0: not there we know because we've got a problem with homelessness here so anyway and one yeah. of the
1: one of the chief people uh, uh people that play a role in the book is uh president calvin coolidge i, I resurrected him and brought him back from the dead because you can do that in yeah, fantasies absolutely and he's Plays the Marvels available role for us. on
0: available on Amazon Amazon right now. So this has been another episode of Stokes and Folks. Um, I think it's the source of all, um, you know, Utah pol- politics, both current and and uh, historical. So make sure you download us. Make sure you subscribe and give us a, a review, uh, whether it's positive or negative. We just like reviews on Stokes and Folks. Hope that you listen to us again next week.